everybody. Welcome to the Book Leads Impactful Books for Life and Leadership. I'm your series host and leadership performance coach, John Jeremillo. This podcast series is about getting to the books that have impacted the lives of my network, the colleagues in my network. So these are great leads to get to the books that have impacted the most um, my friends, my colleagues, coworkers, whoever it may be, to see what's inspired and impacted their work, their leadership, their business, whatever it may be. And the way that I've worked this series is uh, across three categories. One that they're teaching me about, a book that I've never read, uh, schooling me on is what I've called it. Another where we've both read the same book, whether specifically for the series or um, in a past life, we've read it before we met each other. And then the third category, which I'm going to work in today is with the author of a book. Um, so let me get into the guest for this particular episode. In this episode, my guest will be Darren Tully. and. Uh, Darren's the founder and chief of possibilities at Ignite Happy. Ignite Happy. He's also an author, executive coach, board advisor, keynote speaker, and leader of experiential learning workshops for his platform, his original platform, Live Your Possible. A business executive with 30 plus years of leadership and coaching experience in corporate America, Darren is known for activating business units into lean, top producing, innovative, and joyful. That's the key word I keep finding, Darren. Uh, workplaces by building and leading high-performing teams with a unique, rare blend of pragmatic, data-informed, and empathic servant leadership style. Darren believes there is a light inside each of us ready to pop with joy and possibilities, and he strives to help both individuals and businesses feel the power of possibilities. When we shine, and Darren, this last section, I, I got to dive into after I'm done right here. When we shine and live out our true potential, we help others beam too. As your tour guide, Darren shares vulnerable stories and relatable light, real life experiences, uh, real life examples, excuse me, to inspire you to take purposeful pauses and intentionally activate steps in your daily routine where you will embrace and explore the multi-experiential journey ahead. So Darren, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. John, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, this, I, I kept tripping over this because there's just so many components to this bio, this last piece of your bio. And I highlighted on it here so I could go back and kind of pick the particular pieces that jumped out, like the power of possibilities. When we shine and live out our true potential to help others beam too. Um, the vulnerable stories you share, relatable real life examples, purposeful pauses, intentional, intentionally activating steps and in your daily routine. So we'll dive into what each of those means or just that kind of mindset that gets all those particular factors into play. But in the meantime, just to start off, why don't you tell me a little bit about, I gave an overview in your bio, but why don't you give me a little bit about the work that you're doing today? What does this look like when you when you work with clients, when you're when you're writing, when you're delivering services, yeah, possibilities is the key word, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's been amazing. I, you know, I'll just go back a bit uh, where I started thirty years ago. You mentioned that uh, I started as an accountant, became a CPA, so I had to focus on numbers. I had to focus on driving results, and uh, you know, over a period of time, I, I had a, a bunch of leadership roles, management jobs, got results, got promoted, got a lot of wonderful things. A lot of things, a lot of things happened um, that seemed to have good momentum. Uh, yet, I wasn't that happy, and yet uh, I got to many places. And I think I did that by going through numbers and results as a focus. And I realized at one point, which we'll get into, I was upside down. 
and I realized the focus was around people. It sounds silly, yet I, I was just upside down. I didn't see the people aspect of, of this, knowing that people actually drive all the results that we all desire, right? Uh, and I had I had a couple of events that took place where I had an awakening and a light up moment that really set me on our, my course about six years ago that um, really enabled me to start up my own uh, consulting group called Ignite Happy. Uh, it's a happy consulting group uh, where we work with leaders. Uh, we coach different uh, levels of organizations related to business resource groups, uh, uh, executive teams, uh, employees, you know, teams, et cetera. Uh, at the same time, uh, I've documented a lot of the learnings along the way in my book, as you mentioned, Live Your Possible. And that's that in itself has been quite the journey because the kind of combination of components is my, my goal here is to try to ignite happy humans, ignite happy workplaces, which will result in happier families and communities, which sounds pretty fun to me. It sounds pretty impactful to me, and it's it's a, a purpose worth living for and driving toward, uh, which led me to, you know, the, like I said, the Live Your Possible, which as I went along my journey, I, I recognized that possibilities, and just the word possible was my, I guess my, my purpose word ultimately to drive people to wonderful places, to drive people to an equal playing field where opportunities were plentiful and joyful. And that's how uh, we'll talk through this. And my journey uh, got me there to write this book, Live Your Possible. Where, you know, where I'm seeing now is there's joyful possibilities popping all around. When I when I talk with folks and, and share with folks the importance of having joy in the workplace, having sense of uh, joy and happiness and trust and inclusion, that's part of our everyday as, as human beings in the workplace or in our communities, which is really allowing us to unlock our potentials. We're able to be creative again. We're actually able to be joyful again we're feeling that we can belong belong as our true selves our authentic selves imagine that right uh, imagine being who we really are versus what we're told to be and there's a there's a lot here to unpack yeah, yeah. Uh, no I, yeah, hey, you're pre you're preaching to the <laughs> choir that's why i just keep nodding like you know it's not it's not just a reflex to keep doing it's just i completely agree with everything you're sharing especially yeah, I, I in this time that. during the pandemic for obvious for obvious reasons yeah i i agree it, and there's different there's different events that I'm participating in where it, you know people ask me about inclusion and ask me how I got to this place as a leader as a as a person as a as a white male uh, leader or person in the community what did that look like for me how did I get there uh, and why happiness why are you talking about happiness so much type of thing where I think uh, people today actually push happiness away, almost like they're sh ashamed to talk about it or ashamed to have it or or don't even know what it means or we're too shallow to think about it or we're, we, or can we have happiness when there's so much negativity in the world with the pandemic or war, economic uncertainty, those type of things, right? Um, so I go in and, and help folks think through this and I, I try to turn the light bulbs back on to actually thinking through these actionable steps people can take with purpose, with intention, with care, with empathy, uh, that allows us to rewire our steps and our purpose, our habits that actually set us on our course that guess what? It unlocks tons of possibilities that are sitting there right in front of us. Yeah. I mean, as you talk about everything resonates that you're sharing, uh, as you talk about it, I just think about the, the people that I've worked with, same kind of thing when they've gotten to the point where they're kind of stuck, um, they feel pinned down. They don't feel as happy. And a lot of it is because they give up that, that, that inner happiness that is there. But like you said, it's, it's kind of like we're, we're, we're trained, we're programmed to suppress it. Right. 
Um, I've given a presentation about like the my 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 top leadership coach at the time when I was doing that presentation was my toddler just because you're just happy. That's yes. you know the right. world is wonder. You know what makes you happy, like and all the points are like. Listen, I know as adults it's tricky to to just turn off responsibilities and get back to the core of what we're supposed to do, but you know, the toddler was just a reminder, like that, that sense of wonder, like what makes you happy that you're fully enthralled by what's in front of you. And then you get bored and then you're on to the next thing. So when you talk about possibilities and just happiness, I just go back to that about, and and again, the whole, we've kind of been programmed to think a certain way. Um, much like you said, where you were, you were focusing on the numbers part, right but you were forgetting the human aspect and i love that you bring up that the actual terminology like the the humanness the human aspect of of who we are and what we do yeah and I, I thank you for that and i also agree with you about the child aspect it's you're connecting to something that really matters to you that resonates with you that brings the best out of you and, and that's a lot of what we need to you got to figure out and having this child component Guess what? There's a child inside of all of us that we've actually pushed aside because we're we're adults with responsibilities and we're no longer willing to get silly or look at the possibilities or to be curious like we were when we were kids again. And your word of wonder is one of my favorite words. You know, live it yeah. to live with, you know, to live in awe, to live in wonderment. That's it. And to be accepting of that, to be comfortable with that, and living in this calmness, the state of making these connections, that's where this logo came from. As I was living in that state of welcoming differences and being able to see. Uh, wondrous moments all around me. I mean, the the greatest therapy that I have right now is my boys, six year old, six year old, and three year old. Another baby on the way, a baby girl, is 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 rediscovering life through their eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, when I show them something that I take for granted, something that's been in my everyday since I was their age, and they see it, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like. It's like, where do you, where is it you lose that? I mean, that's, that's, you know, psychology, it's sociology, it's for another conversation. But um, yeah, the first thing that came up was just that wonder that you have as, as a kid. But Darren, so when, when it comes to you and your work shifting from the, the numbers aspect to the human side, was there like, were there behaviors that you saw or was there a specific moment when you said, okay, this particular focus I've had is not, is not for me? Um, this resonates more with me, just what we can take away from the work we're doing, who we can be for each other, the possibilities, as you said, the joy. What was it though that, because to go from the work side, the numbers, right? Uh, I've been a budget analyst, so I kind of know the two sides of it. What is it though that got you to think about, okay, not just leadership, not just coaching, but this particular element, the happiness, that's going to be the joy. That's going to be my focus. Yeah, that's uh, there's a couple stories I'll, I'll share. I, I, you know, I've been a, I feel like I've been a pretty kind person my whole life. I feel like I've been a good guy. One of those people that people would say, wow, he's he's a really good guy. Yeah, he's you know, he he gets it. And, uh, you know, when I went through my career, I think I was perceived to be I had to act a certain way. I had to be uh, critical. I had to have all the answers. I, I couldn't really accept other people's perspectives. I had to have my own agenda, right? Um, and I felt like, uh, as the boss, I couldn't say I didn't know, or I needed, you know, I really couldn't ask for a lot of help because it was, you know, a sign of weakness. And gosh, God forbid, I actually shared emotion in the workplace or cried in the workplace. I mean, gosh, I mean, imagine that in today's world. Uh, and and I say all that purposely 
because I realized that, you know, that wasn't really who I am at, at, at the core. I, those are the things I was told to be. If you want to be successful, like I was told not to cry. I was told uh, to be tough on people, to actually make people uncomfortable. I was told to make people uh, figure things out on their own without much direction. Like I was told these things. I, I could go through numbers of stories. I was told, I was told not to be cheerleading people. How about that? Like not to really yeah. root people on. Uh, could you imagine that? Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a coach of thirty of thirty youth sports teams. So as your kids, congrats by the way on the baby on the way, and, and your kids, if you decide to coach. And to me, I like I've learned so much from that journey, and I, I could get into that. But I, I'm a better leader because I've coached thirty youth sports teams. Uh, yet I got to this point where I I was at a diversity and inclusion event, and um, I note this as my awakening because. You know, given everything I have said, I realized that when I went to this event, I actually had a purpose to bring out the best in people. And, you know, who, it was it was it was on me to say, yeah, anybody that's around me that I meet, I, I want to bring out the best in people all around. And um, when I was in this event, it was a four day event. And what happened is uh, after a couple of days, you know, there's about 24, 25 of us. That was a very diverse group of people getting to know each other. We were getting to know each other where they're from who their family, who the families are, what gets them excited, you know, pictures of their kids, pictures of their, you know, their, you know, their babies, et cetera, all, all these amazing things. Guess what? They're human things. Yeah, there's been this, this, you know, there's this natural separation that we've had by growing up, you know, that's systemic or we were told or we were brought up to be a certain way. And, you know, I'll, I'll say for me, after a couple of days, I recognized that these same people I was pushing away, I was making it harder for people to succeed at work. I was making it harder for people to feel like themselves, their authentic selves. And I started to get terrified, John. I mean, I was in this bubble. I was ignorant. I was unconsciously unaware of what was going on in this world, how many people are, are being shunned for you know, who they are, what they look like, what their orientation might be, you know, their choice of pronoun. People are judged, misjudged, uh, inappropriately so, looked at a, you know, a certain way, a negative way, or not allowed to have uh, certain opportunities. And I didn't recognize this until I heard these very people that I've become friends with gave a chance to listen to and actually try to relate and get, and, you know, kind of meet, meet them where they are in their shoes. And yeah. on the third day, I actually went into this group and apologized and said to them, I'm sorry. I, I've recognized I have this unconscious bias and I haven't been honest. I haven't been totally uh, clear with everybody the last couple of days about what I'm thinking. And I started crying crying at work. And what I, what I realized is I'm looking across the room, people are crying with me. People are looking at me with different, different elements of, of emotion, some of it anger, some of the sadness. And then I, you know, I looked across the room and I could see there was some interesting looks where I thought people were with me. I felt love. I felt a connection of, wow, he gets it. He actually cares in a different way that I've seen. And this, this is the kind of this is a, this was an awakening to me to say, oh my God, like I haven't been doing my part, and my bubble burst at that moment. Like so, I was in this bubble, right, thinking I was doing all the right things. But what I realized, I was helping people, but people like me, people with similarities. Mm -hmm. So I was doing my purpose, but my purpose was actually purposely in in this bubble. I was guarded, thinking I was doing the right thing. What I noticed in that event is I was pushing people away, and these very people that I was pushing away, they actually picked me up. And when they picked me up, I actually realized my bubble actually expanded. So I was able to start to think about how I could take control of, of making this right. You know, having 
having this vulnerable moment come to fruition where I actually can work through it. And this team allowed me to do that. And I committed, I committed from that day forward to think about people first, to, to look at differences purposefully, to look at and welcome the uniqueness in all of us, to try to understand what, what, what really ticks for people, what makes people really excited about who they are, to give people the equal opportunity to actually see that they're worth pursuing on, that they actually have this light inside them. And, and, and it's, to me, that's, that was my awakening. I, I walked away from that event and I committed. I had this pink pen I, I often talk about, but I actually had this pink pen at that event and I use it everywhere I go. And you, you could probably see the theme. My book cover is uh, the same pink. My logo yep. is pink. And um, why am I showing this? Uh, uh, and for folks that are listening in, it's because I'm, I'm a what, you know, I'm a male executive. What, who, who uses a pink pen that signs checks, writes notes, writes, writes thank you cards in a pink pen? Like I'm doing this on purpose to be different, to welcome differences, and to make a difference. This is my constant reminder. Yeah. If I ever lose track, I look down. Here it is. It's there. Uh, and I, you know, I had this other moment that that really got me to look at differences. But I'll pause there in case you have any questions, John, before I get into the second story. No, no. I I was just gonna say I, again. I'm just not in my head because everything's resonating. Um, it's scary. It's amazing you had that moment first and foremost. That's just that breakthrough. That breakthrough moment in those circumstances. Whatever you felt, whatever ca- you uh, came to you. Um, and it, yeah, I just, you got to wonder like where in society that kind of programming comes into play. Uh, you know, I, I have my theories. It's a common, you know, understanding. I've talked about that on here where it's kind of like, it's just the way we were brought up in terms of like schooling. It's just like that curriculum, your, your uniqueness really isn't celebrated. Mm -hmm. You spend so much time, most of your day, you know, 24 hours in a day. Eight is in school, eight is sleeping, and then the, the rest is everything in between. So you're harnessing something that's outside of you, your curriculum. And very rarely, and this is why I love working with students, like very rarely are they channeling what they're into. Um, so when they go to a first job, it's like, okay, here, I graduated, here's my degrees, or here are the certificates I have. And they 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 misunderstand that that's their value and they they lose their humanness. So like everything that you're saying, I, I'm I'm all for, Darren, I'm listening. I have chills when you said lose your humanness. Wow. I mean, think you about know, that. And and your uniqueness. I mean, they when I've spoken to students and they and they were uh, getting ready for networking, like they they believe that they didn't have anything to bring to the table because they had never had a real world job. You know, they yeah. may have had paper boy jobs or pizza delivery boy jobs or working retail. It's like all of that stuff, all of that experience is valuable. But no one really sits down and tells you that. You, if you're lucky, somebody that crosses your path does. But in school, right. as far as I know, that doesn't come up. It's about the curriculum. It's about proving that you got these grades and you know you 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 fit this script. And I love education. Yeah. I'm all for education. Sure. But there's nowhere where we really kind of turn the 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 mirror back on the student and say, okay, now try to understand who you are, what you need. No, you're not going to get everything you need, but don't give up too much of yourself before you go into your career. So, I mean, these are just the things that I, wow. like I said, it just, it, it resonates with, um, with me. So I appreciate what you're sharing. So please go ahead. And, it, and it's never too late too. I think to your point where it, it's good to know sooner than later before we go into our career. Uh, you know, one of the messages that I think it's an important one is that we can grow 
and really be our authentic self uh, until we stop trying. Our brains change if we allow it to. We actually can rewire it all the time. It's proven that our our brain uh, has new cells forming, and we, you know, as we learn, we, you know, we read, we we try things, we take actions, we can we can grow. And I think that's an important thing because I think there's a myth out there that you, you kind of get to the point you're like, ah, oh, it is what it is, and you kind of give up. Not you, but that's, you know, in general. And I think yeah. I think people are totally influenced by our our upbringing. Call call what it is. We're told. We're we're taught. We're we're in a culture. We're in a society that's been the way it is for a year, and it needs to change. Uh, you know, it's been, um, there's been a lot of success. There's been a lot of good things yet. I think the last few years in particular have brought to light, you know, the many injustices, the inequalities, the importance of, of all of us. And that's why I love the word possibility so much. Cause it's, it's right for all of us. We're all humans. It, yeah. It's, it's proven, you know, but it sounds silly yet. Yet people treat each other like that. Like we're not all the same, uh, as a human species. So well, that's what's funny about all, all of this that you're showing me. Not funny, but like peculiar is that yeah. the words aren't groundbreaking. Happiness, possibilities, joy. They're not groundbreaking. They're not new research found somewhere, right. you know, in some far off planet or uh, discovery. They're common everyday words that we that we use, but we don't really tap into what they mean. We don't really live them. We see them. We read them. But... Um, we don't we don't pull back the curtain on what they mean or what they can mean. Yeah, I love that. And I, you know, as we go when we go through the book, I could talk through that a little bit. How they were fully aligned on that because you're right. The words in the research, it's out there. It's like anything. Are we willing to do the work? And it's important that we do the work back to the words we're using, like authenticity. If we if we do the work related to who we really are, like for me to be uptight not laugh at work, not be as genuine and interested in, in people just to drive results and outcomes. That's not who I am. That's yeah. what that's what I thought I had to do to get ahead and to get promotions. Yet, you know what? I was having success and joy, internal joy of getting a job, which is not joy, by the way, uh, at the expense of other people. I mean, think about that. That doesn't feel good. And similar to where I was at that awakening moment, I was terrified and I wasn't being my best self. And, uh, you know, this this other moment, that I went into and I started to look at differences. I started to welcome things that were in the world and my surroundings differently. So if I noticed something that was a little bit different than me or different in my surroundings, I noticed it. It was always there, but I just stopped yeah. to calm down and slow down to take a second and just notice it. Maybe not say anything, but take it in. And when there was a moment I had with my daughter, one day we were, we were sitting there together. She was doing her homework and I was on my smartphone, which is not smart. Yeah, we'll go, that's a whole other <laughs> topic. Yeah. Uh, and I was doing my work, right? I'm, I'm being really efficient. I'm getting my work and him hanging out with my daughter, doing neither one well, obviously. And my daughter finished her, her homework and said, hey, dad, can can I get a sweet treat? Can I have cookies or cake or ice cream or whatever just to celebrate you know, her love and desire for sweets and getting the homework <laughs> done? And we went back and forth. And I, of course, I, I gave in. And we I gave in when she said, hey, dad, can I have a watermelon ice? Italian ice. I don't know if you've ever had one of those, but it's like a, a nice um, cup of crushed ice and flavored yep, yep. pink watermelon color and, and flavor. And I said, yeah, sure. We took off the lid, put it in the corner on the corner of the table. I went back to my my work phone. She finished it, had a big smile on her face. I'm like, oh, you're happy. How was that? And she consumed happiness, right? Not, not really. Uh, what I realized when I put my phone down was something that was really different. 
it was the back of this Italian light, ice lid that was sitting in the, on the corner of the table. And when I looked at it at the corner of my eye, I'm like, wow. I connected with it right away. I looked at my daughter. I said, hey, Sadie, look at this. And I went and took this lid and I turned it upside down. I said, take a look at this one-eyed smile. And she lit up like I've never seen before. Her eyes and mouth opened like we were just in front of Mickey Mouse at Disney for the first time. I started to get, I started to have my eyes bulged and my mouth was open. And all of a sudden, my life went before my eyes. And I said, oh, my God, this is it. I know what happiness, where it comes from. It's inside us. I know it sounds so silly, but now I understand the definition. It's so unique to me. And it's, it's bringing the joy out of other people. It, it was a bonus that it was my daughter. That's what I was missing when I had my awakening. I wasn't bringing out the best in all people. I was bringing out the best in just some people. And this moment showed me there's this light inside all of us. And when I, when I realized that that, that one-eyed smile was upside down, it wasn't the, the smile that was upside down. I was upside down. I had things backwards. I wasn't looking at things the right way. I had my view. I wasn't open-minded and inclusive to the other perspectives that are sitting there right in front of me. I had this one-eyed smile and then I had my daughter and what I felt was a pure level of joy. And then I started to write, I said, oh my God, there's this message to the world. And I started to put a business plan together and it turned into this book called Live Your Possible. And I, I, you know, I went on this whole journey. Yet the key component here is happiness is defined by each of us. It's not defined by anybody else. It's not defined by social media. We have to accept that. We're not looking to compare our happiness to anybody else. It's what lights you up authentically, what gets you super excited and passionate. And when we start to do that, we start to bring joy out in the world if it's other people or we start to connect to things in, this, in our society. Happiness and conclusion and, and inclusion are the difference makers. And that's what I've realized that the combination of these things, that the intersection of these two things is where playful and possible come, come alive. That's where wonder exists. That's where we're actually enjoying life as ourselves. That's where we can bring out the best in other people without feeling like we're sacrificing or giving up something of our own. We've become selfless. And this is where I got set on my journey over the last six years, where I started to write my book and started to just interact where things were popping all, all over the place with joy, uh, with aha moments, quite honestly, with moments of terror, because there was moments where I realized like, oh my God, I'm not listening to people that I the way I should. Like I had to apologize to my wife. I had to apologize to people at work. I had to I actually had to stop opening meetings and start asking folks for their views first. I needed to be more inclusive. And that's what I mean by inclusive. It's like, how, how are we bringing people to the table in an equal way, in an open way? Not what people might think inclusion might be. Because people get set, set off by inclusion. You're telling them to be inclusive. Well, that's what we're talking about in HR world. And I'm like, no, be a human being. Be genuine. Care. Don't yeah, have your own yeah. agenda put, put out yeah. there. Like, just it, like inclusion. Together. Don't be right. Get it right. Yeah, like inclusion shouldn't be a checkbox for an HR policy. Yes. It should be. It should be first and foremost. It should be, you know, the rule rather than than the exception. It shouldn't be something that's trained into us. It's just, it's there if you want it. And I, I love what you're saying because um, what's resonated with me in the last two years of the pandemic, when you're limited to to who you can see, who you can interact with, yeah. um, it's amazing how much happiness really does come out of oneself that you can't wait. Generally speaking, you can't wait for somebody to bring you your happiness. And I think maybe that's what leads to a lot of uh, mental health issues. Um, I've, I've suffered issues over the last couple of years with the pandemic. Um, 
but it's about being proactive with that happiness that you can't wait for the outside forces to bring it to you. I think we don't realize how much, if we really wanted to, if we were aware of it, we could put out into the world. And again, that's one of those things that sounds like a cliche that people may say often, but sure. I don't think, yeah, you're right. I don't think people know what that actually looks like, that it's not just maybe a laugh in a moment and just at that, but really getting to know that the person, the person that you're with, and it's amazing what I love about these conversations that I have. It's amazing what asking somebody a certain question, asking them about themselves, you know, maybe not for the public to see, but just in private, just asking them about themselves. Yeah. Um, not just in passing. Hey, how you doing? Hi, bye. Like, so what's up? What What's making you tick? What's making you, how, how are things going? What's going well for you? What are you happy about? What's you know, I, and I like that I have entrepreneur, entrepreneurs in my network because you're asking them, okay, what's the latest project you're working on and such. But it's amazing how often we don't do that. That when we see each other, we stick to a kind of script that's like, hi, bye. We're just repeating the information of stuff that's happened to us. You're relaying your information and then I'll see you later, but not really tapping into what makes the other person tick. Yeah, you're right. I, I love all that. Uh you know, it's empathic leadership in, in, in my sense, and it doesn't mean a leader of a company. It's just where you are in your family, your community, in the workplace, uh, just being curious about where people are at. And, and I love what you're saying. I would just ask, you know, folks that are listening about this is actually doing that with genuine, genuine care and interest. Yeah. Don't bring in, don't bring in your perspective, what you're doing. Don't trumpet or don't over, don't try to outdo it. That's the problem is we try to connect by saying, oh, yeah, I'm doing that, too. And I'm doing blah, 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 go on and on. Yeah. No, keep asking. Keep meeting where the person is. What does the good look like? Uh, how important is this to you? And, you know, how can I help you? Those type of things. Uh, you know, a couple of things come to mind, John, when you, you say that. One is when I was in uh, the workplace uh, with a Fortune 100 company, one of the responsibilities I had was that as a culture officer, as part of our transformation work we were doing. And I... I actually, as you know, I have this interest and curious about what other people think about things. And I think there's there's a lot of room with joy at work or happiness at work. And I started to ask people, hey, what is what does joy at work mean to you? And immediately I got people saying, especially leaders or different advisors saying, we don't talk about that here. We can't do that. We don't. That's not about happiness. That's not what's going to drive our results. It's not what's going to drive what we need here. And I said, OK, OK, fine. Fair. I, I mean, just get curious in my own way. Like I'm a culture officer. I need to, I need to figure this out. So I went and asked 300 employees calmly and openly just say, Hey, tell me what does joy at work mean to you? And John, I got to tell you, most people kind of look left, look right. And they say, well, we don't talk about that here. They, <laughs> yeah. What can I say? Know? Like, what is what the wrong mean? answer? What's right. the right answer? Yeah, exactly. Like, and then they look in and say, really, are we, are we, we want to talk about joy here. We want to do that. I'm like, yeah. I want to hear what you have to say. They said, really? Like some people actually, and this is crazy, just 300 people, people either punch me in the arm. Like, <laughs> like you're joking. Me? Yeah. yeah. Or like it's some a gotcha people, moment. Like they're going to be fired if they say, you right? know, I like dressed down Friday or something like that. <laughs> like where's the camera? Like, is this kind yeah. of camera? Uh, some people actually, like my daughter in that story, like what? We, we could talk. We, this is like, there's hope. They actually, people said, and opened up to say, Darren, I'm, I'm opening up because you're giving me this, this, this feeling of hope. And I love this. And there's actually people that cry to say, oh, my God, I need this. And it's just amazing. And they're, and they're like, you're actually, you're asking for my input. 
my feedback. I mean, exactly where you were, John, to your point about just asking certain questions and just to, you know, this point of asking people, guess what happened? People gave me responses that were the most amazing responses. In general, the most popular two answers. One is people wanted to help each other thrive at work and succeed at work. And then the second one, they wanted to work with trusted business partners. Holy cow. I didn't, nobody said joy or happiness in those phrases. So I guess now we have something we could use in the workplace without upsetting the people that don't want to <laughs> use the words joy or happiness, yeah. which is unbelievable to me. So we actually had a tagline that said something like this, that, hey, help each other succeed and thrive at work as trusted business partners. And when we did that, we went from a third quartile culture rating up to a top decile in just about 12 months because we actually all leaned in with genuine care and interest to help each other. It's amazing what can happen when you actually allow people to, to belong, to trust, to live a higher purpose. It's amazing what can happen. And, the, you know, the results would follow, right? So people first, inclusivity with it, brought joy. And guess what followed? We doubled our results in all the major categories that, that I used to like when I was in, you know, finance and accounting, you know, my, in my earlier days. <laughs> satisfy, right? the, so, satisfy the accountants. <laughs> but you got to have the faith that it's going to follow. And that's, that's the toughest thing. When I talk to CEOs and HR leaders and other executives, that these type of initiatives and thinking, it's on the bottom 10 of the list. It's not on the top. Yeah. It should be the top two or three. Because I mean, so many companies think that what it's what it takes to get people going, to get people motivated, to get people driven, to get people buy, to get their buy-in into the culture is incentives like financial compensation incentives. But it's amazing. All the people that I've worked with, whether in an organization as one of the workers or as a coach, is just what happens, what happens, or how their eyes open up when you just ask them about themselves. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. how people just want to be acknowledged, even with a thank you that they never get. You know, they get a thank you from a boss. They're like, holy shit, did you see that? Like, I got a thank you. Like, and thank you and hello, you know, those should be like common practices. But it's amazing yeah. just these little gestures of acknowledgement. Like, I see you, you know, not not as yes. a script, not yes. a checkbox, but I genuinely am thankful for what you did in that project, how you handled that crisis, whatever it may be. The power of acknowledgement just as a base to get to that joy and that happiness and the possibilities, just acknowledging some, everybody wants to be seen. So that power of everybody acknowledgement Everybody wants to be seen. Is, yeah. Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to belong. And if we can belong as our authentic selves, holy cow, that's where the results happen. That's where the results happen in life, in, in business, in our communities, in what's, what's at stake right now across the world. You know, so Derek, people are divisive in their beliefs and their thinking and protecting those rather than trying to understand their greater purpose and greater meaning. Yeah. I mean, all those things, whatever the topic may be where people are divided, um, I see it more as motivation where people are coming at it with what they want, their emotions, as opposed to mm -hmm. what they need. Like I, this, it's like, listen, this is all I need, but I'm reacting as this is all I want because you're coming at me and I'm fearful. So I'm not just going to take what I need or share what I need. Yeah. I need to like, you know, uh, puff up my chest to beat my chest and, and meet you head on. There's just so much fear out there. Um, yeah. and again, it's just sure. another tool, um, mediation tools where we're just not taught. Listen, like listen, emotional intelligence, but I don't know. You see yeah. somebody coming at you, your instinct, you go to that reptilian brain and you feel like you have to fight fire with fire instead of just kind yeah. of stepping back. In any case, though, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I was just going to add to that. Oh, if it's either fire with fire or, you know, the other half of folks actually step back and get quiet and recoil into their bubble and then the bubble doesn't have anything to say and then they're less productive and then they're not creative and then they're not able to contribute innovative thoughts. I mean, think about that as a leader. Think about yeah. that about how we're impacting our people. Do you think there is any joy in that person? Uh, I mean, I, I remember I had one of my leaders that gave me a learning moment on how not to lead in my opinion. And, you know, this person came at me, making me uncomfortable and told me I need to be more, uh, more of an authority in the organization and told me to kind of be, uh, I guess, mean to people. Right? I, I told you I'm a kind person and, and actually was, I was shaking inside. I had to push back and I started to recognize that my belief was a bit bigger and different than that. My belief is that, hey, I'm not going to use the sting of a bee, the stinger of the bee. I'm going to actually use the honey from a bee because I felt like if I could bring people to a place that's of safety, belonging, and showing that I'm really caring, they're going to do a lot more. People are going to do a lot more, and it's proven. I have so many stories and examples of that. Not about telling people what they're doing wrong or being, you know, bringing the stinger, making people uncomfortable. Granted, I think we need to get uncomfortable to make change happen or to really do yeah, yeah. our best work. But doesn't mean like you have to be a bully about it. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I subscribe to that whole you know you can't just stay comfortable you really have to see what's out there but there's a there's a way to to get people to really consider that so darren in in talking about that you went from the numbers to like the human side of things uh was it your desire to go into numbers field was it your parents like because i feel you had this breakthrough right you had this breakthrough you had that breakthrough with that group but even with that breakthrough there's no way that you could you could I don't, I don't believe there's any way that you could completely give yourself over to that unless that was already there. Do you know what I mean? Like that was, that was your foundation anyway. And then maybe it feels like maybe you went into accounting because of maybe it didn't feel comfortable when you went to school with it, but you stuck with it maybe for whatever reasons, like we talked about society and pressures. So even though it was a breakthrough moment, can you trace back? what you felt that breakthrough to say, shit, like I've always been this person or yeah. my parents were like this, or this is what I was, but I felt like I had to go down a numbers path. Can you, can you trace what you're doing now back to your childhood, whether it's education, family, whatever it may be? Yeah. I feel like I, get, I had to get on a couch for this therapy, but I appreciate it. John. <laughs> I swear, I swear <laughs> I it's it, not a therapy. It. I'm just always curious. <laughs> no, we're good. Like We're the good. full story, yeah. the full story of what got somebody to where they are. And I don't want to get too personal. I'm if it's too much joking. of a personal question, let me know. Oh, believe me, I've noodled on this. My wife's a psychotherapist and you know, she's taught oh, me so much. Right, and well. she's yeah, so we're good. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, this, you know, going through this awakening and this light up moment, the story that is shared, I mean, it's it's actually allowed me to go back and reflect on all this and and kind of where I was from the beginning to now. And uh, that's one of the beauties of writing the book is actually uh, learning that and actually reflecting that, hey, you know what? I have a lot of positive stories and there's a lot of learning mo- moment stories where, that weren't so positive that, you know, it's me- really my reservoir or that I could pull from when things go down and when I'm struggling. And there are so many things. And to answer your question, as I go back, yeah, I went into this field of numbers because I, you know what? I did good at it in high school. Uh, my da- my dad's an engineer, practical. Says like, you need to find a job that you could provide at. Uh, could, do I, you know, would I say, hey, my heart sung to be an accountant and a CPA? No, I mean I did go to a, a school, Siena College, liberal arts school, which I, in, I didn't realize at the time 
yeah, it was a blessing because it allowed me to see other things, right? It wasn't all focused on finance and accounting. I actually got to see the full picture. That's what the whole, the whole point is around a liberal arts scores. You're seeing uh, elements of sociology, psychology, and a bunch of other things that maybe I wouldn't have had the opportunity had I gone to another university. Uh, yep, you know, prior to that, John, I got to tell you, when, when I was a paper boy, you mentioned paper boy earlier, one of my first jobs, I, I used to, you know, I think I was nine or 10 or so, and I was actually always behind growing up. So, you know, my, my family and, and folks always hoped that I would be average because I literally was really behind, slow at learning, slow at speech. Uh, I was, I would rock my head all the time. So, you know, John, when we see each other around, you might see me rock, kind of rocking a little bit. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still learning how to, to have that swagger. I mean, some people make fun of me, but that's fine. I enjoy it. Yeah. I, you know, why I say all this is because when I was a paper boy, I actually was annoyed by some of the interactions I had to collect this $2 and 10 cent, like paper root element. And, you know, maybe I get 15 cents for a tip, uh, you know, for my, my efforts and, you know, people were miserable and I would deliver, I would deliver papers on the weekends and it's a, what a sight, John, like, yeah, think about people getting their paper. They go to their front door. There's a glass front door in between the other door. And people are either standing there half naked, half dressed, disheveled, or they're walking by with a cup of coffee in their hand. Like you, you'd be like, what are they doing? Like they're not even, they're barely even dressed at all. I mean, it was, it was, you know, maybe I should get therapy for all that. Yet, yeah. What I, what I took from that is I said, well, I'm wondering what, what gets people excited? What brings joy to them? And my friends on my street and I, we created a paper. We created a local paper on the street we grew up on called the Sylvan Gazette. And guess what we did? You know, like we've already talked about this. We asked people if they wanted to participate in this paper. We simply asked them, right, from an innocent child mindset, questions that got them excited, that brought them to different levels of passion that they wanted to share with the world. Things like their kids' accomplishments, their gardening tips, you know, the great recipes, maybe what they learned on a trip or whatever, the, whatever it is that made them happy or brought them joy. John, I never thought about this until I went through this awakening, the light up moment, right? I went back and said, oh my God, that's me at the core. But I went, I went down this path and, you know, you know, just to finish that story, what, what happened is people in the street were sharing, everybody wanted to participate and our street lit up. Like people used to wave each other like half hardly. Yeah. And what happened is people were waving people down and say, hey, I want to learn more about X, Y, or Z. Yeah. It just changed the dynamic. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, now you're talking about possibilities that come from your recipe, my recipe. Let's just take something from your garden and things start popping. And that's when I realized that we need to give people something to work with. We need people to actually start talking like humans again, not to be stuck in a robotic way or zombie-like state in their homes, being isolated like we've been for two years, right? So as I work it forward, I went away from that because I figured I had to figure out a job that I could provide at. And I'm pretty good with numbers. I'm not the best at it, yet I'm comfortable with it. And I could talk through it and help guide people financially and guide guide results and make sure we're working on the most important things. Yet what I realized is I actually turned that upside down to actually ask people, what should we work on? What are the most important things? What do you think you need to learn or we need to learn for us to get those results? And when I do that, John, we got we get unprecedented results, like going from a third quartile culture rating that I mentioned to a top decile. I never thought in my wildest dreams that was possible. We did it. Yeah, that's just an example. Right. But I went from genuinely caring about my neighbors and asking innocently as a child back to what you said before. Right. It's that inner child. If we ask with genuine care and interest that we're curious to learn with wonder, 
anything is possible. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always mention this. Um, I kind of dread the day that my kid just starts losing that because the nature of school, some kids are bitter and he'll be happy about something and they'll shoot him down for it. And then he'll start thinking he's weird or this or that, you know, so I'm, I'm on the lookout for that. And, and whatever way I can, I try to just um, put it in his mind just to share, like, I I don't know. It's, it's good. It's good that I'm in that mindset um, just because I didn't have that as a kid. You know what I mean? That, that particular focused verbiage of, you know, what, you know, do what makes you happy. As long as you're not hurting anybody, if it makes you happy for yourself, first and foremost, yeah. do what makes you happy. And it sounds so, write it so basic. Write it down. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Write it down so, you, so you know that you have your definition. To me, that's what gets me so excited is about having people write that down and say, what does bring me joy? And it, we don't know exactly, but there are going to be times in the day. It's like, oh, my God, I just, you know, the, the hair on the back of my neck or gosh, I just flushed. Uh, we have to write, we have to notice, we have to, we have to be conscious enough to know we're alive, to know that's what just happened mm-hmm. and that it's okay to write it down. Cause so many people are afraid, oh, that was silly. Or I don't want to share that. Cause I don't want people, people, think, I don't want people to think I'm boastful. We have to stop that. We need to share yeah. our happiness. Yeah. We need it's to amazing how it. we much we, we self-censor, you know yes. what I mean? I, yes. I always say like so much of the obstacles, the challenges we face is just cause we're stopping ourselves. Yes. Um, especially with that, especially when people aren't just sharing what they want to share, even if they don't know what they want to share and they have to look for it, at least look for it. But exactly. the whole point of this conversation is the book. So can you give us an introduction to the book? I mean, uh, you gave us some kind of insight on how you kind of started with the idea, but um, just, yeah, a little, a little, I mean, first of all, introduce the book. I don't know that we actually spoke of the title itself. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, happy to to do that, and uh, you know, I appreciate that. And I, I think it's our conversation's been uh, circling all around it, which is awesome. But I, I, you know, the book is called "Live Your Possible." Uh, you know, it's really a, it's a self help guide. Uh, when you look at it, you might say, "Wow, it's a thick book." Um, and I tell people there's uh, <laughs> lots of joyful possibilities in here. And uh, you know, the book is it's a how to guide to help you ignite your happy, authentic self. So and what it's is not about cheat. Sorry. It's not about what, Darren? Go ahead. It's, it's not about changing yourself. It's actually getting yourself back to your authentic self. And ah, it's also it's also a guide to help people learn how to live a fulfilling life that's actually rooted in joy, inclusion, love, and possibilities. I mean, that's that's the that's the premise of the book. So yeah, like you said, we've spoken so much around what the book is is centered on. So what does the actual book look like in terms of how do you walk the reader? Is it chapter by chapter? Is it real life examples? I'm assuming you throw some of those in there. But what is the, I guess, the the, the arc of the book from start to finish? What kind of yeah. path is the reader taking? Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I'm glad you said path because there's actually a path you know, throughout the book, which is awesome. Yeah, I, John, I had a lot of fun um, writing stories because as I was going down this path six years ago when I had this awakening, I, I literally wrote down um, this business plan and um, I started to take this business plan and started to see there's like these themes, these ideas, like the paperboy story, for example, right? So I would, I would have, I wrote something down about genuine care and interest. And then all of a sudden I remembered the Sylvan Gazette. So as I was going through this process, these stories would come to life. And I, so I sprinkle a bunch of these stories throughout the book. And there's a bunch of stories that bring, maybe bring some key points to life 
uh, or it highlights some vulnerable moments. There's several that I'm very vulnerable in here and I'm purposely being vulnerable here because I want people to resonate with it. Maybe maybe get in get into this and stew with me a little bit. Maybe recognize and self-reflect that maybe we all have some opportunity for growth out of our own conscious bias or the fact that we're stuck in living in subconscious living versus our conscious living. Yeah, that was a uh, one of the big words that popped out to me when you uh, in your bio when you mentioned your vulnerability. Because um, I mean, you know, we know we know we hear it all the time. Vulnerability is not weakness. Right. Um, but again, when, when, until you learn that hard lesson really as an adult, when do you really pick it up ever as a child? It's yeah. just kind of society. It's the culture. It's kind of group think like I, I can't yeah. be vulnerable. It's, it's, it's a yeah. shame, but the thing is, I mean, it's it, like you said, it's, it's better late than never. Uh, but that's really a word that popped out because I think, especially if you're writing a book, it's like, you got to share, you know. Yeah. You're as much as you feel comfortable sharing. So I, I I love that there may be examples in there of you kind of opening up just to share. It's not, you're not just um, throwing out words. You're not just throwing out lessons, but you've actually lived them and, and they may have been yeah. uh, obstacles for you or hard experience, but you know, you came yeah. to the, 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 the end result of where you are now. Yeah. And that's the key. I think that's the key point, John, too, is that, uh, you know, the vulnerable aspects that I share in my stories. Also, I've interviewed several other folks that shared their stories. Uh, there are some some key folks that went along this journey with me. Like one of my good friends, Donna, she was a key element to challenge me on some of the actions that are throughout the book. Uh, and, and she, there's some examples in there of her, her journey and, and stories. This should show that this is real and it's amazing what could happen. Um, and related to the vulnerability aspect of it is um, when we when we share it, we can grow from it. And you know, we talk, we, we, we're talking about school, right? Our teachers kind of have taught us to be and think through with convergent thinking. There's a right and wrong. There's nothing in between. Like we lose the sense of possibilities. We lose the ability to learn because we were told, nope, it's wrong. Pick off points rather yeah. than did we really learn from that experience. And that's what this journey is all about. It's about learning from your experience. So there's, there's also a QR code in here, which I think is one of the things I'm getting a ton of feedback about, uh, which I haven't seen in a book yet. So it's a QR code that you'll bounce out to my website. And it's and there are a bunch of components related to music, uh, TED Talks, maybe a podcast, maybe a book, certainly a bunch of references around children books. Because I want people to think back as a child again, because I think when we when we unleash the child inside of us, we're actually able to create and discover again, because we're actually willing to do that. Just yeah. like the logo on the book, which is the one-eyed smile, which is the whole story with my daughter. Uh, so, so yeah, that, actually, that is what the logo is then, right? It's the 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 watermelon. Uh... Yeah, it's the watermelon guy, which is the back of that watermelon ice lid. That moment, awesome. right? So and it's right side up, and it's it's a yeah. key part of the story. And it, it, the other thing about the book is, is a third of the book is really representative of a workbook. So you're actually going to do the work in here as you go through this. You're going to hear stories. I'm going to show you how to use the book. Uh, I encourage folks to actually pair up either with an individual. And actually go through this journey together or to actually sign up with a book club. Uh, I've even gone out to a couple of book clubs to kick it off uh, to, to help them kind of get this set right. I actually give instructions on how to think about that too. Um, I also think this could be good in a team setting at work to go yeah. through this and identify some of the components because there's an acronym in the book. It's called, the acronym is, and I ask people to look in the mirror when they say this, because I believe this, I believe we're all possible. So I ask people to look in the mirror to say, hi, possible. 
to start to think they're possible and their life is more capable with untapped potential than they might even not even know or realize yet. So, and it's really goes like this, and this is the path of the book and it's the path of possibilities. That is something that I've coined throughout the book, but this, this uh, acronym starts in two, in, with two words, happiness and inclusion, right? The high part. I talk about my awakening and inclusion and I think about how it's so important for happiness that we understand our unique happiness and what that means for us. And we define it. And as we start to include the world in with that level of happiness, we start to see things differently. We start to welcome in inclusion and outside thinking, we start to slow down a little bit. And when we start, start to spell out the, the word possible, there, there are eight steps people will walk through the book. And I would say this, not everybody has to go through every step of the book. People might say, hey, I'm pretty good at my purpose. Like this first step is purpose-driven beliefs. The, the key thing here, and we've talked about this a little bit, is that I'm talking about inviting the world in differently. Meaning, understanding your belief, understanding your, your purpose is actually greater than yourself. It's not protecting something that someone told you or taught you. It's not about religion. It's not, it's not about politics. It's not about something that you might hold so close to you as a belief. It's something bigger. Like, for example, like I said, for my belief, I want to bring out the best in people. Yet I was stuck in my own bubble. So I actually changed my belief over the course of this journey to say, you know what? I believe there's a light inside all of us to unleash and pop with joyful possibilities. When I change that belief, that one belief has changed my way in life. So everybody I meet, John, yourself included, everybody I meet, I want to see that light inside you. I want to see those eyes open wide. I want to see you. I want you to punch me in my arm like other people have. I, want, I don't want anybody to cry, but I, I do want people to know there's hope. You know, we go down yeah. this path because I think when we know we have a bigger purpose and a greater meaning and start to do things that are outside of our our core or protecting, you know, certain beliefs and certain things, then we're actually able to go to the second step, which is all about open mindedness and being curious, which is our willing to actually listen to other things and welcome differences in the world and start to be curious about what is possible, start to kind of tie it back in, in, into the importance of what is our purpose driven belief? What is that one word or what is that statement of belief that we you know, we really believe in when we start to have those two things together, the purpose driven belief and open minded curiosity, we really step out in the world much differently. And I, I, before I go to the rest of the steps, I don't know if you had any questions, John, before I, no, I, I was just going to say at one point, it'd be great. Just, to, I don't know if it's, you said there were, you, you reference a third part of the book. Um, so I, I was just curious if there was a way that you could just kind of, um, say this is the first, third and fourth part of the book or, uh, what that path of the chapters yeah. look like, what that path, what that journey would look like for somebody going, even if you just kind of name off a couple of chapters yeah. in that, in that sequence. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that sounds great. Yeah. I mean, the beginning of the book, this first section is really helping people get engaged to understand that we can be on this path, that we can embrace our happiness, that we can use the inclusion in a positive way. And I set the framework yeah. for the rest of the book. And I, there's a, there's actually a model that, uh, that folks could actually write down their notes and their findings, their aha moments, like the things that, again, maybe they flush or maybe the back of their hair uh, stands up or maybe they're a little uncomfortable, right? There is a level of being uncomfortable here and being vulnerable and jotting it down. That's really the first third. But then I carry it through the, you know, the next part where I, I really am looking for folks to establish this possible mindset, this possible mindset by going through these eight steps. And as they go through these steps, I ask, I, you know, I share stories. I share what that meant to me or what it meant to other people I've interviewed and researched. 
I share ideas of thinking and tools. I share these QR codes that people can go out and further experience and learn. Cause I think that'll, that enhances our learning. This mm -hmm. is that multiple experiential component of learning that I talk about okay, where people okay. are actually able to take this, this song that relates to this message. Cause you, you know, sometimes when you hear a song, you're like, Oh my God, I've never heard that line before. It's because <laughs> your mindset's in a different place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I, like I remember, I remember running to a Jack Johnson song called Upside Down. In the, yep. you know, in the, in the song, know. it talks about who's to say, who's to say anything's impossible. I stopped in my tracks, right? As you think about the journey I've talked about, I, have, I was upside down. Who's to say it's impossible? My God, the song is like speaking to me. That's, that's an example, right? That, yeah. that made me stop in my tracks to say, wait a minute, get present again. Yeah, and, and believe me, I love the... You, like we talked about before we hopped on here, I love music. So I love that example. And it just kind of parallels everything else as you're outlining by introducing music where it's like we, we exist, um, mostly facade to facade. Um, we're in kind of cruise control tunnel vision, mm -hmm. but rarely do we stop, like you said, stepping back and intentionally, uh, working on, what we are like we just kind of we're in survival mode but we don't work on it yeah. and it reminds me of the music where you hear the music you like the melody it carries you but then yeah you can listen to music for 30 yeah. years like i've listened to songs and then all of a sudden i slow yeah. down enough a day and captured a particular Beautiful. line where it's like you just rediscover it um so that that is what plays out in my mind is just stopping and kind of working on what you are, not just that facade trying to make it through the everyday, but like, what do you really want kind of thing? So I love that example. Yeah, and you know, I love that. And, you, and you're, you know, you're present, right? You're thinking about, you heard the word because you were ready, you were ready to listen to that word. Where so many of us are just walking through life uh, saying it is what it is or we can't grow or we're not open to it or we're upset. And that's what I'm trying to change for people to really get present again. And as, as you go through this process, as you go through these steps, depending on what resonates with you, because there's, there's over 125 actions that I walk through these eight steps that spell out possible. There's 125 actions that you could take. You only need to take probably five to seven that really resonate with you. But I offer so many examples because I want people to actually connect to the ones that matter most to them. So for can example, you give, can you give, yeah. they're trying to figure out yeah, if they're trying to figure out, for example, we're talking about purpose-driven beliefs, and they're like, "What do you mean by beliefs?" So there's a there's an action step that outlines a few questions that says, "Consider, you know, these words that will help you uh, understand how you light up, like the moments when you feel like you're at your best, moments where you're most passionate, where your energy goes off the charts, and then start to express that into words, and then put that into belief statements, and then understand." And ask yourself, hey, are those belief statements, are they divisive in the world? Because if the device is, meaning you're going to get something out of it that's going to actually have a negative impact to somebody else, well, move on to the next one. You know, what are, what are those beliefs that you could define that will actually help you work, work in the world and invite the world in in a different way? Like I talk about, you know, I believe there's a beautiful light inside all of us. I also believe there's goodness in all, inside of all of us. Even some of the people we might not like right now, there's love and goodness in, inside of all of us. We just got to figure out how we, we can tap into it. You know, there's a kid inside all of us, right? I talk about that. You talked about that too. And I think yeah. there's potential inside of all of us. When we start to believe all these things, how do we walk around being negative to anybody without giving them a chance, right? If we start to change our language and our narrative in our mind, it gives ourselves a chance to actually find joy and give joy out in the world. I just think about how transformative that would be 
because uh, if you think yeah. about the people that may be hateful or they may seem, you know, um, evil or you're you're against them or you're not really about their message and whatnot. I mean, like you said, everybody has a kid inside. So what's their story? Was yeah. their kid not hurt as a kid and they're just hurting and that's why they are the way they are? Um, and again, you said, yeah, you said it perfectly. You could, you could definitely probably ask them questions if they, if they took it seriously enough to sit down with you in a conversation yeah. and you asked them certain questions and start, started getting them to think about, um, certain things. But again, like I said, it's all about what it, it always comes back to mediation for me. It's what we want. That's what we face each other with, not what we need. So maybe that person yes. I'm just generalizing needs a hug needs acknowledgement, needs affirmation, but they're so pent up with fear because they've never had somebody ask them, what are you all about? What right. do you need? Do you need me to take it? Whatever it may be. It's just a shame yeah. that, and we just, it's a perpetuating cycle because we don't know how to talk to each other. We don't know how to ask questions and we don't even know how to yeah. speak up for ourselves and what we need. <laughs> that, I, I love, love it, John. I, I, you know, that's exactly, you just exactly right about the book too. Like that's exactly what, these actions are about it gives people questions it gives people the tools to do the very thing you just said to go out and practice being who they really want to be in the world you know it's, it's actually practicing that that higher purpose because that's really what we're connecting to which is our authentic self hopefully that's the ideal and as we're practicing it's it's going to be daily it might sound like a lot yet if we're actually being our true self i don't know is that different than being who we are maybe we're being somebody different it should be it should be okay it, it should be yeah. like breathing we just need a reminder <laughs> exactly um, exactly. Derek, can you give a couple more examples? You said you had like 125 examples. I don't know if you mean like there's scenarios, like you give one of uh, uh, whatever it may be. Can you give a few of, of what people might find uh, as those examples? Yeah, no, that, that, that's great. I mean, that that's an example of like the, the you know, the purpose driven uh, beliefs, right? So how, how can you go through and uh, there's, I'll ask folks if they want to go through and identify a single word out of that word. Um, you know, what's it, a, what's a purpose word, you know, that often will, will work with people too, to say, Hey, you know, identify with one word that connects with you in the world. Uh, like I'm connected with the word love this year, something that I, I, I believe in, I've struggled saying it to people cause I don't want people to get the wrong impression yet. Mm -hmm. I can love with mind and heart and meet people where they are. And, you know, that's another example. I walk through people in the book to self-identify. Is there a purpose word that I could work with that actually will resonate in everything I do again, a big enough word. That's going to drive positive interactions, not to judge, no judgment here, because at the end of the day, people are going to self-reflect. How did I do? How can I do better? It's not to not to judge ourselves or to judge how people reacted to some of our questions or our, our steps. You have to say, how could I do better tomorrow? You know, the second step is is really important around open minded curiosity. And as part of this step, uh, you know, really is to step back and to listen to people with where they are and to ask these questions and to be open-minded to what other, what other people have and what they're up to and what are the differences that they bring? What's the unique self and, and, and skills that they may bring or their background that we're not recognizing with like, you know, digging into that with genuine interest. Like I was when I was a nine-year-old paper boy, like doing this with genuine care, like a child again. And I know we've, we've talked about, you know, thinking like a child a few times, but you know, think about this for a second. Like I talk about this in this chapter, I give examples to think through, uh, and to get real present again, to say, you know, what, what would I ask that would be aligned to my purpose word? What would I ask that's aligned to my belief statement that actually is bigger? Like having people write it out. I think it's so important to write things out and then practice it during your day because that, that repetition is going to change the way we think, the way we open up ourselves to the world. When we get, when we get curious, 
That's where discovery happens. That's where possibilities actually become possible. That's when we change things that go from I'm possible to separating the word to say, um, you know, going a stepping away from impossible, right? Impossible to I'm possible. We just separate yeah. different possibilities and spaces. We're actually able to change the dynamic of what word. Um, but it, think about your hippocampus. Your hippocampus is a key element in your brain. Okay, it's the gateway to our emotions. It's the gateway to our subconscious living. Part of what you mentioned earlier about what happens when you become an adult. Well, our hippocampus is actually overwhelmed. It's trained to react to something you judged before, something you've learned before, some convergent thinking of right or wrong, or your teacher told you you're not creative. So you, you, you end up stopping. You've told yourself these stories, and now your subconscious mind's going to live those stories. Or someone said, don't hang out with that group because they're different than you. Or don't don't believe they have the skill sets because they can't, because they, you know we were told <laughs> that uh, that doesn't exist. And it's like, no. We have to actually, we have to take this hippocampus. We have to get conscious again. So I joke around, like yes. if I was a scientist, I'd call this a, a happy hippocampus, right? <laughs> How do we change this dynamic to say, if we tie this to our, our bigger purpose, make it more joyful, we, we can actually stop and get present. Like you noticed that one word in that song. You were yeah. present enough and connected enough to know, hey, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. Like, let's let's not let our subconscious minds rule the day. We got to get real real conscious and come alive again. That's yeah. that, you know, that's an element I try to teach in, you know, the second, the second point, which is a separate chapter in the book. Yeah. What's interesting is during this pandemic, I think that's this kind of, not this specifically, but this kind of theme is what has saved my head because, yeah. um, I gravitated more towards volunteering. I gravitated more mm -hmm. towards just yeah, right. volunteering mostly because people were like out of work and, and they couldn't afford like coaching. So I was like, you know what, for the year, I'm just going to volunteer as much as I can. And I realized how much more that made me, it made me happier because I could help somebody open up. Not that I fix them, but a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I do is, you know how it is, like you're just asking yeah. questions. Like 90, 95% of what you're saying to somebody, a client is questions. Um, yeah. But just being able to like ask somebody, realizing that certain people don't ask, don't get asked certain questions, they don't get yeah. acknowledged in certain ways, and that that's what they need. And I think my frustration through life up until this point is that that practice that I utilize now, I wasn't using before. I was with my friends here and then, but I've realized how much yeah. tapping into that really brings me joy of just seeing somebody have those, like you said perfectly, Darren those aha moments. Yeah. I mean, this, this journey, I, I agree with you. It's, it's helping people get to those components where when we're giving back, if it's through volunteering or, or other elements, we actually connect as humans again. I think your example is a great one. I think if we all volunteered, especially in moments that actually moved us, not just to check the box again, that actually moved our feelings, our emotions, I actually cried. I, I remember, bringing uh, furniture into um, uh, a family that had no furniture in downtown Hartford and as part of a volunteer group. And I, I remember a child was crying, sitting there crying at the time, as loud as you can imagine saying, Oh my God, I'm like, oh, and I felt awful for this child and this family going up three flights of stairs and there's nothing in this house and this apartment, excuse me. And, and uh, he was just saying, mom, mom, we have a chair. We each have a chair chair to sit in mom mom we each have a bed to sit in i'm like oh my god my heart yeah. broke 
And yeah. I cried and, you know, I went home and just cried in my wife's arms, like thinking about that. And it's like having those moments. And then yeah. like, how do we do more of it? It's like, it shows that we're human again. And it shows that when we do give back in different ways, we actually grow, we grow from it. And guess what? More possibilities are, are present. And as, as people go along this journey, uh, right, using happiness and inclusion, and there's separate chapters in the book. And then we go through identifying our purpose-driven beliefs and with open-minded curiosity, which are the next two steps. To, to kind of walk through the rest of the steps with a couple examples, it, it's really at that point, you're able to start to improve your skill sets. You start to listen to the world a little bit, right? Because you now are open-minded and curious. Um, and we've talked about, you know, learning different things. Like one of the one of the items I, I encourage people to do is like, go learn something you, you've wanted to do before. Like I, uh, I try to pick up guitar. We were talking about guitar earlier. I yeah. try to pick it up and granted, I'm terrible. Yeah, my daughter wanted to do it with me. That was priceless. Uh, the fact that I listen to music in a whole different mean, uh, meaning now because how hard it is and how the the, the, string, you know, the strumming of how music comes together. Yeah, I'm in awe. Yeah. I'm in, yeah. like, talk about wonderment, right? So I have a different level of respect. Uh, you know, understanding where we can learn is from our kids. It's from people that are different from us. It's, it's not having all the answers. So I, you know, through the book, I have examples of here are different ways you could actually go out and learn and improve your skill sets. And part of this comes from, I have my purpose-driven belief. I'm open-minded seeing what, what I'm doing by, you know, by the world, good or bad. How could I do better? Then I want to improve the skill sets where I can get better. So it's not judging. It's that whole growth mindset with, uh, with Carol Dweck, with her book, Mindset, yep. right? It's, yep. it's looking yeah, forward. It. It's, it's how do I it's grow right from this, this experience? Awesome. I love it. And, and that's, that's uh, the thing. Favorite, it, right? that, that's um, the thing. It, it all goes back to what we were talking about as students, where you have the curriculums and it's like you pass or you failed and that's it. You know, there is no... There is no uh, uh, fostering of curiosity, fostering of exploration, go out, see what's out there. Not because it's a cliche, not think outside the box, but you benefit from what you may find. And you can experiment. Experimenting is okay. Like you said, you tried your guitar. You didn't nail it right away. Maybe next week, you never know, but okay. So maybe you say, I'll keep going or you know what? I really wasn't into the guitar. Let me pick up a bass or whatever it may be. I don't think we know how to step out of what is the cards that were dealt. And it's not that the cards were dealt are bad. Um, not to say anything yeah. about the relationships around us, but I think a lot of us just deal with the cards that were dealt. And that leads to a lot of that mental breakdown, that stress, that anxiety. We don't, we don't, we're not really good about designing our own lives and work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And you know, that level of humility, of not getting it right. Like, how, what do you take away from that? Like I took away from it, the beauty of music and I'm going to keep trying and spending time with someone that I love. You know, looking at, looking at what's good out of the opportunity. That's what, that's what growth is. And that's where you get in this stage of, um, of the process in my book, because you have these skill sets you're learning. And as you're getting stronger about these skill sets, you're being more vulnerable as you self-reflect, you're trying new things and experimenting. You're, you're testing out things differently, which the fourth step is all about resi resilience, building up a strong resilience that helps you overcome things that might be holding you back. It could be words. Like I don't use the word, but at all in the, in the book, because it's a, it's a, it's a barrier word for me. Okay. I, you know, I, I hide things, you know, before that word. So I try not to use it. I didn't use it in the books. So I, I was kind of an experiment if I could pull that off. So if you find one, let me know. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. You know, I, that I makes had, sense. <laughs> I had to overcome self-doubt. I had to overcome my own securities. And I had friends work, work through that with me. I had, I had um, people, you know, that would review the book and edit this. And 
as an example, right? There's things that we all have that are holding us back. And this allows us to open up our minds differently. When we get to this point, we get to be open-minded with a level of imagination. Like you talked about wonder. Yeah. At this stage, we're able to actually go into this next chapter, which is imagine with wonder or wonderment, start yeah. to live in awe. And when we start to do that, we actually start to discover and innovate things with divergent thinking. We're actually able to say there are possibilities. There's endless possibilities all around us. We start to see them. They're always there, but we start yeah. to notice them. And maybe we're still guarded against protecting them or accepting them, but it's that willingness to do so. And John, I don't know if you've heard the study before, but there's a study, especially related to divergent thinking. Like people want to be an astronaut. It's about being able to have divergent thinking. You need to be able to think about all the opportunities and all the possibilities when scenarios go left or right, right? You have to think through that. It's not one way or the other. It's got to be hundreds of ways. Uh, and one of the studies, though, uh, studied kids when they're about five years old. What's their level of being creative? And like, what percentage would you guess of, of kids that are around five have the ability to show that they're creative? What percentage would you guess? got to be close to 100%. Yeah, there's a couple different studies. One is 100%. The one I'm referring to is actually 98%. So yeah. pretty pretty close. How about the Cuz there's no there's no barriers, asked? there's no self-doubt. Right. I love that. Hold that thought for a second. <laughs> same question to adults. The average adult answered with the same questions. What percentage of adults have that sense of creativity that they actually could discover and create in certain scenarios that were asked? I'd say under under 25%, under 30%. Yeah, you're right. 2%. Yeah, I was even going to say 10%, but I'm like, yeah. there's no way. There's no way. Yeah. But I yeah. believe it. I believe what happened? It. What happened, right? All of a sudden, right or wrong, you know, we have too many responsibilities. It's like someone turned their dimmer switch behind the scenes to actually pull down our ability to be happy, to be creative, or to be belonging, or to be excited, or to show love, or because we're actually afraid to be judged. Yes. We got to put our guards down. And this level of wonderment and having imagination needs to be present for us to be innovative. I mean, what company wouldn't want you to be innovative? What what family, what community wants you, wouldn't want you to be more involved to kind of figure out solutions about what's right, not being right? We were never we were never taught how to cope. Yeah. Because coping would help you get past fear, which would help you move forward with that kind of experimentation. That yeah, strict right. that it just comes down to that. Like what the science of it may be, what the what the fix may be for it, I don't know. But we were just never taught to cope. It was just we're moving you up through grades. Here's your grade. Congratulations. You're in high school. You're in college. You got your degree. But we weren't taught to to cope. And coping is seen as oh, so you have a weakness because you have to cope. It's like no, we're humans. Yeah. Yeah. We're human beings, you know, everybody that's, we just have to drop that facade. Yes. Um, but I think it, it all stems from fear of rejection and maybe being happy. It's just, there's it, so much that goes it, into it. And, and, and I, I appreciate all the stories you've shared. And in, in accepting our imperfections and accepting that we're not going to be perfect. And, it, you exactly. know, and we have our own opinions on things and for folks to judge it, you know, that's not put so much power in someone else's judgment. That's you know, put beautiful, the power beautifully our, said, beautifully said, because if somebody's judging you, it's like, okay, but is if they're, if they're judging you and critiquing you without saying, okay, yeah, that's not quite working, but you know, let me help you out. And this is what you can possibly do to make that work. If they're just doing it for criticism and that's it, do you really want to impress that person? Is that somebody you really want in your circle? I'm not judging them, but at least take that their weight off of you. If, if it's not for you. 
Absolutely. And, and, and it gets, I'd say it gets into these next components of the, the book and I'll, I'll summarize it, you know, for us, uh, you know, in the sense of we have to know where we stand. Like this next component is around authenticity, like brave authenticity. We have to accept who we are, our unique self. We need to embrace that. And I think as you go through these steps, you're building more confidence. You're actually slowing down to be more um, complete and calm when you're when you're reacting to things. You're actually being more thoughtful because we're actually consciously living and listening to what people are saying. We're living to, you know, we're living to the point where there's so much wonderment in the world. There's so many sightings in the world. There's so many things that we don't really know. We don't have to have all the answers. But I think we're actually able to be imperfect. That's what I love is that we're all unique and imperfect. And maybe one of these one-eyed smiles, like this logo we talk about. John, I'm, ne- I'm never going to look at that thing the same way again that, now that I know it's I like a not. one-eyed smile. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I, and I want you to find it in the world because I have found hundreds, hundreds of these and other friends in particular, Donna, who's given me pictures of these that I put into the book. You, these could be formed based on cloud formations, based on two sticks together, based on what you might see uh, in, in a lake with two rock formations. And I've seen all of that. I've seen it in my food. My point is that it's I want to be present for joy, and that's just a signal for me. And it's and each of these are unique, which reminds reminds me again we're all unique, so we could brave our authenticity, which gets to these last two sections of the book, which is allow us to link connections, which is all about linking to our happy happy authentic self, because at this point you're finding so much joy, so much so much authenticity, you can't believe what connections are being made. It's all about connections at this point, and you're kind of re, trying to repeat this, and you're actually getting to this last stage where endless possibilities are ever present. It's unbelievable, John. Like, I feel like someone put a popcorn popper in my head, popping out possibilities just because now I have divergent thinking. I'm thinking what could be, and it's all in front of us every day. We're just not looking for it. We're not, we're not stopping to take a look. Instead of what's not going to work this time. Yeah. Right. (laughs) What could work? Why not? Right. It's like your basic, Hey, if you're in a baby obsession, don't start saying why it's not going to work. Like thinking about how it's possible, you know, don't, don't let, uh, you know, amazing get in the way of really good. Dan, so I'm curious in writing this, are there any lessons that you took away from the book? That's something I always ask the authors I work with where it's like, okay, I know the lessons you ingrained in this book and you're sharing with society, the world at large, but then based on maybe the writing process, um, thinking about it, you knew what you were putting in there, but it percolates. What are the lessons that you took away from writing the book? How have you changed since since that book is uh, was finalized? Yeah, I mean, I've I've turned myself, I would say, right side up. You know, I, I joke about that popcorn popper, like an air popper popping in my head with possibilities. I mean, it, it led me to this space. I mean, I the first thing is as I was writing down all these stories, it allowed me to reflect about my past. It allowed me to think through some special memories about who I really am. Like, right, I was trying to re- search into who is my authentic self. And that paperboy example is a good one. So I, I learned a lot about who I really am at the core versus what I was told to be. And I actually set my course back to who I wanted to be. It's not about changing into somebody else. It's actually changing back into our core self. And that's, that's mm-hmm. a key message that I, I, like I learned along the way that. that allowed me to that. transform back into who I, who I really am. You know, the second thing is uh, really being inclusive in, in learning around AV journey, like the 30s youth sports teams with my kids learning from each of them because they're just young adults with the same problems we have as adults. And they're actually more open to talk about it. So as a coach, I've been there for them, listening, looking through struggles, helping them learn and develop. I've learned how to be a better person leader from these kids than anything else. 
Uh, oh, so I just, it. it's like, how do you like, how do you, yeah, right? Like, so how do, like, I've learned so many different things by asking people, like I've asked people, like I was an ally for someone. I've asked people to say, Hey, is this our story? And what I, you know, I, I learned about how my view of the story wasn't the accurate picture of the story. It was my view of the story where, where maybe my ego got in the way. But my point is my ego has to step out. So each of these learnings, I pushed my ego away. I got more vulnerable. As the more vulnerable I got, the more love and support I got. And that's a key message here. We all need to step into our vulnerability. We're not perfect. We need to allow ourselves to, to show our uniqueness. And when we do that, uh, we actually allow our true selves to come through. And and it, you know, I, the more the more I've gone down this path, you know, I have to say I'm, I'm finding more joy. So the, the the biggest joy, like I had my daughter, my moment where I got joy because she was joyful. But I realized my path isn't just about happiness. It's actually trying to bring joy and possibilities and seeing seeing that with other people, seeing that beautiful light inside them pop. And when yeah. I see that, I'm rewarded. And maybe that sounds selfish, yet I. I'm not expecting it. I just grow from it. I want to do more of it. I want to keep doing more of these podcasts and more talks and get out there and help, you know, teams guide their their people to amazing places or their communities to do better or our politicians to stop doing it us versus them and to get to a we state of mind because we are the people, right? We are the people is it really starts our constitution. So like how do we get back to that point where we're actually one? Yeah. And you know, we're working together as humans again. So what do you think is next for your writing? <laughs> I know, I know you, you just got this one out, but, but yeah. what do you think is up for your writing? What, what, what is next? Well, I mean, certainly I plan to share elements of this out on social media all the time. Cause I want people to if they're if they're, if they have the book, follow along. Cause I'm going to send messages that will further support your learning. If you don't have the book, there'll be messages out there that might help you uh, along your way. Uh, so that's going to be out there. So there'll be some new excerpts that come out based on either new, watermelon guy sightings or or more connections in the world of, of right or, or other things that i'm learning because like i said there's things popping all the time uh you know the learnings and and growth items that are good and bad yet all you know all the time i think i'm a better person from it um i'm what i'm planning to do is i want to hear people's stories i want your listeners to reach back out to say darren you gave me an idea i went and practiced it send me a note Send me an email. I want to capture these stories. I want to share these stories with the world because I want people to know all this is possible. I want people to know they are possible because you are possible. I am possible. If I could go on this transformation, so can you. So can anyone. And it's about meeting people where they are and understanding the struggles we all have are unique and different and helping people overcome those struggles. I want to share these stories more broadly. So the writing I would like to do next, John, is take these stories and group these into themes so other people could share in this beauty and this love and this change like each of these move each of these moments excuse me move, really move us into this movement of change or creates this ripple effect around our world and it's this this level where we all have the right to have joy and to see possibilities that we never knew or we were capable of we all have that right and i want to mm -hmm. help people see that and actually ignite the world so as as you see people shine i get rewarded and actually i'm actually feeling brighter because you're shining i'm shining we're all a bit brighter so the more of us that are doing it, our beams are going to cross and we're actually going to see more possibilities that are sitting there right in front of us. Yeah. And it grows at a, at an exponential rate as it well. Does. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask you the last question I have before we wrap up is what you're up to these days. You already gave a kind of a preview of what you want to do going forward, but is there anything else that you want to share, whether about your business or the book itself, anything at all to, to kind of get the word out? 
I would just say reach out. Um, I'm happy to consult with you as you think through this about if it's a business to think about how how to bring out the best in your people and to shift that mindset to people first. Because if you do that with a faith, results will follow. You'll be amazed. Uh, you know, if you're a leader, if you're a leader, I ask folks to think inwardly about how this came across to you and to see how you could start to uh, self-reflect and think about your authentic self and how you want to leave your legacy. Is your legacy about leaving wonderful results in financial numbers, or is it about actually helping to transform people all around you and to help us get to an equal place where we're all able to really thrive in this world together? Uh, and I would say, reach out to me. I can help from a coaching perspective, or I can help you think through uh, ideas or speakers that come in. And I'm happy to come in and speak about a number of the components I've talked about today that actually could light your organization up uh, and be more creative and innovative or to think about joy at work or even communities. Uh, I'm working with local group uh, government uh, authorities as well or different uh, associations where where people are, are uh, having an impact across different HR organizations or different companies around the world. So I, I'm, I'm pretty involved across the board because I'm trying to get this message out because I think we're all capable. And I think if we could all start to turn the light up a little bit in each other, it's amazing what we're going to find out and say. Yeah. And I think, I think the way I want to approach this is I want to get the book and I, as I read through it, I think I want to kind of convey the lessons to my kids. Um, and just to kind of just plant that seed, not tell them, but just kind of plant that seed. Um, obviously bring it down yeah. to their level, just hopefully. So they just see that from their level. Cause it, again, one of my biggest fears is just that, that sense of wonder, that sense of curiosity, that yeah. sense of just unabashed love is just kind of extinguished by everything that they come across in school. But I think that's going to be yeah. my experiment with this is buy it as I write it, just talk to my kids about it. And I'll, I'll, I'll send you whatever I come up with. Yeah. Cause I'd love to see a oh, kid's book, do. Darren. Where I was going with that yeah. is I'd love to see a kid's book of this. So, Well, it's on my list, actually. Actually, actually it's so funny you said that. I, there's a couple of things. Actually, I wrote a, a children's book with my daughter. We have one in the works, awesome. actually. It's pretty wild you said that. What's it um, called? I actually also wrote a couple songs. I'm not a songwriter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, learning how to I mean, do what, a guitar. What, yeah. Why not? Anything's possible. But that's my point. I was never, I never thought I'd write a book. Yeah, I wrote a song. I have a children's book coming too. I, I it's, it's amazing, and it's like a, it's amazing what people share. And I, I got to if I could find it quickly, um, you just mentioned something that really was interesting about asking your kids. I mean, the key word you said is not telling them; it's teaching, right? Which is awesome. Um, and then inquiring with your kids, I would ask you or anybody that has kids, topic and ask them what they think. So, as you know, my logo right has, you know, it has this. I don't know yep. if you can see it. Yeah, but it has this component where. Um, you know, it's it's the core, it was the bubble I was in, and then it, you know, it kind of expanded, right? So it kind of came out to here. Uh, when I showed my kids this picture, because I was taking people along this path, it's as simple as saying, Hey, I'm trying to take people out to a greater place. And I asked my kids, I said, Kids, like, I'm like, Sadie, what do you see? She's like, Well, dad, I see a bunch of WGs, obviously. You know, as you go out your path, you're gonna see more, right? I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. She's like, You know what, dad? She's like, The further you go out in your path, your smile is actually bigger. Yep. I'm like, oh, I was blown away by that, John. I was yeah, like, what? I mean, that's... and I asked my son, I asked my son, I said, I go, Owen, oh, what do you see? He's like, Dad, come on. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, what do you see? He goes, Dad, it's like a Wi-Fi signal. The more the more further out, the further you're out, you're more connected. I was like, Are you kidding me? Yeah, see. Like just looking from a kid's eye again, what you could see. 
But if but this is true though, as you further go out your path, you but I, I love I love your daughter's response who said that the smile was getting bigger. I love that response. Awesome. You know, here I am trying to look at it. I'm like, why does this look familiar? And I related it more to what your son said, the Wi-Fi, but hers yeah. was like that oh, smile. And logo, That's amazing. Of course, as you know. So, yep. yeah, this is, John, this has been wonderful. I can talk with you all day. I mean, there's so many books Absolutely. that influenced me too. And I know it's big on your, your agenda. Maybe we could do that again some other time. Absolutely. So live your possible, ignite your happy, authentic self, and live a fulfilling life rooted in joy, inclusion, love, and possibilities. Uh, Darren, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Um, if there's anything that I might've missed that you think I should ask Darren, we were limited on time. Uh, like he said, we could talk for hours, but obviously that's not, that's not reasonable of anybody's time, but it has been a great conversation. Uh, send me any questions you may have that I can forward to him. I'll post everything with the, the episode itself, how to get in touch with Darren. Uh, and that's an interesting exercise just to kind of read the book and get back to him on experiences that you've had so he can collect it for the next iteration of this project. So thank you everyone for listening and watching. Darren, thank you again so much for your time. That's been an honor. Thanks, John. Take care. It's everyone. been fun. Bye.